Section 25 of Essays, Book 3. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Malone. Essays, Book 3, by Michel de Montaigne, translated by Charles Cotton, of Managing the Will. We must not precipitate ourselves so headlong after our affections and interests, as when I was young I opposed myself to the progress of love which I perceived to advance too fast upon me, and had a care lest it should at last become so pleasing as to force, captivate, and wholly reduce me to its mercy. So I do the same upon all other occasions where my will is running on with too warm an appetite. I lean opposite to the side it inclines to, as I find it going to plunge and make itself drunk with its own wine. I evade nourishing its pleasure so far that I cannot recover it without infinite loss. Souls that, through their own stupidity, only discern things by halves, have this happiness, that they smart less with hurtful things. Tis a spiritual leprosy that has some show of health, and such a health as philosophy does not altogether contemn. But yet we have no reason to call it wisdom, as we often do. And after this manner someone anciently mocked Diogenes, who, in the depth of winter, and quite naked, went embracing an image of snow for a trial of his endurance. The other, seeing him in this position, "'Art thou now very cold?' said he. "'Not at all,' replied Diogenes. "'Why, then,' pursued the other, "'what difficult and exemplary thing dost thou think thou doest in embracing that snow?' To take a true measure of constancy, one must necessarily know what the suffering is. But souls that are to meet with adverse events and the injuries of fortune, in their depth and sharpness, that are to weigh and taste them according to their natural weight and bitterness, let such show their skill in avoiding the causes and diverting the blow. What did King Cotus do? He paid liberally for the rich and beautiful vessel that had been presented to him, but, seeing it was exceedingly brittle, he immediately broke it betimes, to prevent so easy a matter of displeasure against his servants. In like manner, I have willingly avoided all confusion in my affairs, and never coveted to have my estate contiguous to those of my relations and such with whom I coveted a strict friendship. For thence matter of unkindness and falling out often proceeds. I formerly loved hazardous games of cards and dice, but have long since left them off, only for this reason that with whatever good air I carried my losses, I could not help feeling vexed within. A man of honor, who ought to be touchily sensible of the lie or of an insult, and who is not to take a scurvy excuse for satisfaction, should avoid occasions of dispute. I shun melancholy, crabbed men as I would the plague, 
and in matters I cannot talk of without emotion and concern, I never meddle, if not compelled by my duty. Melius non incipient quam desinent. They had better never to begin than have to desist. Seneca, Epistles 72. The surest way, therefore, is to prepare oneself beforehand for occasions. I know very well that some wise men have taken another way, and have not feared to grapple and engage to the utmost upon several subjects these are confident of their own strength, and under which they protect themselves in all ill successes, making their patience wrestle and contend with disaster. Well at rupes, Wastum quae prodit in my court, obvia ventorum furiis ex postaque ponto, vim cunctum atque minas perfert coelique marisque ips immotamanens. As a rock which projects into the vast ocean, exposed to the furious winds and the raging sea, defies the force and menaces of sky and sea, itself unshaken. Virgil, Aeneid, 10, 693. Let us not attempt these examples. We shall never come up to them. They set themselves resolutely and without agitation to behold the ruin of their country, which possessed and commanded all their will. This is too much, and too hard a task for our commoner souls. Cato gave up the noblest life that ever was upon this account. We meaner spirits must fly from the storm as far as we can. We must provide for sediment and not for patience, and evade the blows we cannot meet. Zeno, seeing Cremonides, a young man whom he loved, draw near to sit down by him, suddenly started up, and Cleanthes, demanding of him the reason why, he did so, I hear, said he, that physicians especially order repose, and forbid emotion in all humors. Socrates did not say, Do not surrender to the charms of beauty, stand your ground, and do your utmost to oppose it. Fly it, says he, shun the fight and encounter of it, as of a powerful poison that darts and wounds at a distance and his good disciple, feigning or reciting, but in my opinion rather reciting than feigning, the rare perfections of the great Cyrus, makes him distrustful of his own strength to resist the charms of the divine beauty of that illustrious Panthea, his captive, and committing the visiting and keeping her to another, who could not have so much liberty as himself and the Holy Ghost in like manner, nenos inducas in tentationem, lead us not into temptation, Matthew 6.13. We do not pray that our reason may not be combated and overcome by concupiscence, but that it should not be so much as tried by it that we should not be brought into a state wherein we are so much as to suffer the approaches, solicitations, and temptations of sin. And we beg of Almighty God to keep our consciences quiet, fully and perfectly delivered from all commerce of evil. 
such as say that they have reason for their revenging passion or any other sort of troublesome agitation of mind often say true as things now are but not as they were they speak to us when the causes of their error are by themselves nourished and advanced but look backward recall these causes to their beginning and there you will put them to a non-plus will they have their faults less for being of longer continuance and that of an unjust beginning the sequel can be just whoever shall desire the good of his country as i do without fretting or pining himself will be troubled but will not swoon to see it threatening either its own ruin or no less ruinous continuance poor vessel that the waves the winds and the pilot toss and steer to so contrary designs in tom diversa magister ventus et unda trahunt he who does not gape after the favor of princes as after a thing he cannot live without does not much concern himself at the coldness of their reception and countenance nor at the inconstancy of their wills he who does not brood over his children or his honors with a slavish propension ceases not to live commodiously enough after their loss he who does good principally for his own satisfaction will not be much troubled to see men judge of his actions contrary to his merit a quarter of an ounce of patience will provide sufficiently against such inconveniences i find ease in this receipt redeeming myself in the beginning as good cheap as i can and find that by this means i have escaped much trouble and many difficulties with very little ado i stop the first sally of my emotions and leave the subject that begins to be troublesome before it transports me he who stops not the start will never be able to stop the course he who cannot keep them out will never get them out when they are once got in and he who cannot arrive at the beginning will never arrive at the end of all nor will he bear the fall who cannot sustain the shock et inim epsi se impellunt ubi simul arationi discessimest ipsique sibi imbecilitas indulget in altumque provehitur imprudens nec reperit locum consistendi for they throw themselves headlong once they lose their reason and infirmity so far indulges itself and from want of prudence is carried out into deep water nor finds a place to shelter it cicero tusculani quaestiones four eighteen I am betimes sensible of the little breezes that begin to sing and whistle within, forerunners of the storm. Ciu flamina prima cum de prensa fremont silvis et caeca volutant murmura venturos nautis prodentia ventos. As the breezes pent in the woods first send out dull murmurs, announcing the approach of winds to mariners aeneid ten ninety seven 
How often I have done myself a manifest injustice to avoid the hazard of having yet a worse done me by the judges, after an age of vexations, dirty and vile practices, more enemies to my nature than fire or the rack. Conwainet a litibus coniam licet, et nesquion palo plus etiam quam licet, abhorrentem esse, estenem non modo liberale, palolum non numquam de suo jure decedere, sed interdum etiam fructuosum. A man should abhor lawsuits as much as he may, and I know not whether not something more, for tis not only liberal but sometimes also advantageous too a little to recede from one's right. Cicero, De Officiis, 2.18 Were we wise, we ought to rejoice and boast, as I one day heard a young gentleman of a good family very innocently do, that his mother had lost her cause, as if it had been a cough, a fever, or something very troublesome to keep. Even the favors that fortune might have given me through relationship or acquaintance with those who have sovereign authority in those affairs, I have very conscientiously and very carefully avoided employing them to the prejudice of others, and of advancing my pretensions above their true right. In fine, I have so much prevailed by my endeavors, and happily I may say it, that I am to this day a virgin from all suits in law, though I have had very fair offers made me, and with very just title would I have hearkened to them, and a virgin from quarrels too. I have almost passed over a long life without any offence of moment, either active or passive, or without ever hearing a worse word than my own name, a rare favour of heaven." Our greatest agitations have ridiculous springs and causes. What ruin did our last Duke of Burgundy run into about a cartload of sheepskins? And was not the graving of a seal the first and principal cause of the greatest commotion that this machine of the world ever underwent? The civil war between Marius and Sulla. See Plutarch's Life of Marius, Chapter 3. For Pompey and Caesar were but the offsets and continuations of the two others, and I have in my time seen the wisest heads in this kingdom assembled with great ceremony and at the public expense about treaties and agreements, of which the true decision, in the meantime, absolutely depended upon the ladies' cabinet council and the inclination of some bit of a woman." The poets very well understood this when they put all Greece and Asia to fire and sword about an apple. Look why that man hazards his life and honor upon the fortune of his rapier and dagger. Let him acquaint you with the occasion of the quarrel. He cannot do it without blushing. The occasion is so idle and frivolous. A little thing will engage you in it but being once embarked, all the cords draw. Great provisions are then required, more hard and more important. 
how much easier it is it not to enter in than to get out. Now we should proceed contrary to the reed, which at its first springing produces a long and straight shoot, but afterwards, as if tired and out of breath, it runs into thick and frequent joints and knots, as so many pauses which demonstrate that it has no more its first vigor and firmness. Twere better to begin gently and coldly, and to keep one's breath and vigorous efforts for the height and stress of the business. We got affairs in their beginnings, and have them in our own power, but afterwards, when they are once at work, tis they that guide and govern us, and we are to follow them. Yet do I not mean to say that this council has discharged me of all difficulty, and that I have not often had enough to do to curb and restrain my passions? They are not always to be governed according to the measure of occasions, and often have their entries very sharp and violent. But still good fruit and profit may thence be reaped, except for those who, in well-doing, are not satisfied with any benefit, if reputation be wanting. For in truth such an effort is not valued but by every one to himself. You are better contented, but not more esteemed, seeing you reformed yourself before you got into the whirl of the dance, or that the provocative matter was in sight. Yet not in this only, but in all other duties of life also, the way of those who aim at honor is very different from that they proceed by, who propose to themselves order and reason. I find some who rashly and furiously rush into the lists and cool in the course, as Plutarch says, that those who through false shame are soft and facile to grant whatever is desired of them are afterwards as facile to break the word and to recant. So he who enters lightly into quarrel is apt to go as lightly out of it. The same difficulty that keeps me from entering into it would, when once hot and engaged in quarrel, incite me to maintain it with great obstinacy and resolution. Tis the tyranny of custom. When a man is once engaged, he must go through with it or die. Undertake coolly, said Bias, but pursue with ardor. For want of prudence, men fall into want of courage, which is still more intolerable. Most accommodations of the quarrels of these days of ours are shameful and false. We only seek to save appearances, and in the meantime betray and disavow our true intentions. We salve over the fact we know very well how we said the thing, and in what sense we spoke it, and the company knows it, and our friends whom we have wished to make sensible of our advantage understand it well enough too. Tis at the expense of our frankness and of the honor of our courage that we disown our thoughts and seek refuge in falsities to make matters up. We give ourselves to the lie. To excuse the lie we have given to another. You are not to consider if your word or action may admit of another interpretation. Tis your own true and sincere interpretation, 
your real meaning in what you said or did that you are thenceforward to maintain, whatever it cost you. Men speak to your virtue and conscience, which are not things to be put under a mask. Let us leave these pitiful ways and expedients to the jugglers of the law. The excuses and reparations that I see every day made and given to repair indiscretion seem to me more scandalous than the indiscretion itself. It were better to affront your adversary a second time than to offend yourself by giving him so unmanly a satisfaction. You have braved him in your heat and anger, and you would flatter and appease him in your cooler and better sense, and by that means lay yourself lower and at his feet, whom before you pretended to overtop. I do not find anything a gentleman can say so vicious in him as unsaying what he has said is infamous, when to unsay it is authoritatively extracted from him. Forasmuch as obstinacy is more excusable in a man of honor than pusillanimity, passions are as easy for me to evade as they are hard for me to moderate. Excinduntur facilius animo quam temperantur. They are more easily to be eradicated than governed. He who cannot attain the noble stoical impassibility let him secure himself in the bosom of this popular stolidity of mine. What they perform by virtue, I inure myself to do by temperament. The middle region harbors storms and tempests. The two extremes of philosophers and peasants concur in tranquility and happiness. Felix, qui potuit rerum cognoscere causas, atque metus omnes et inexorabile fatum subiecit pedibus, strepitumque acerontus avari, fortunatus et ille, deus qui novit agrestes, panaque silvanumque senem, nymphasque sorores. Happy is he who could discover the causes of things and place under his feet all fears and inexorable fate and the sound of rapacious Acheron. He is blessed who knows the country gods, and Pan, and old Sylvanus, and the sister nymphs. Virgil Georgics 2.490 The births of all things are weak and tender, and therefore we should have our eyes intent on beginnings. For as when in its infancy the danger is not perceived, so when it is grown up, the remedy is as little to be found. I had every day encountered a million of crosses, harder to digest in the progress of ambition than it has been hard for me to curb the natural propension that inclined me to it. Jure per horui late conspicuum tolere verticum. I ever justly feared to raise my head too high. Horus, Odes 3.16.18 All public actions are subject to uncertain and various interpretations, for too many heads judge of them. Some say of this civic employment of mine, and I am willing to say a word or two about it, 
not that it is worth so much, but to give an account of my manners in such things, that I have behaved myself in it as a man who is too supine and of a languid temperament, and they have some color for what they say. I endeavored to keep my mind and my thoughts in repose. Cum semper natura tometium aetate yam quietus, as being always quiet by nature, so also now by age, Cicero de petitione consulatus capit tu. And if they sometimes lash out upon me some rude and sensible impression, tis in truth without my advice. Yet from this natural heaviness of mine, men ought not to conclude a total inability in me, for want of care and want of sense are two very different things, and much less any unkindness or ingratitude towards that corporation who employed the utmost means they had in their power to oblige me, both before they knew me and after, and they did much more for me in choosing me anew than in conferring that honor upon me at first. I wish them all imaginable good, and assuredly had occasion been, there is nothing I would have spared for their service. I did for them as I would have done for myself. Tis a good, warlike, and generous people, but capable of obedience and discipline, and of whom the best use may be made if well guided. They say also that my administration passed over without leaving any mark or trace. Good. They moreover accused my sensation in a time when everybody almost was convicted of doing too much. I am impatient to be doing where my will spurs me on, but this itself is an enemy to perseverance. Let him who will make use of me according to my own way employ me in affairs where vigor and liberty are required, where a direct, short, and moreover a hazardous conduct are necessary. I may do something. But if it must be long, subtle, laborious, artificial, and intricate, he had better call in somebody else. All important offices are not necessarily difficult. I came prepared to do somewhat rougher work, had there been great occasion. For it is in my power to do something more than I do, or than I love to do. I did not, to my knowledge, omit anything that my duty really required. I easily forgot those offices that ambition mixes with duty and palliates with its title. These are they that, for the most part, fill the eyes and ears and give men the most satisfaction. Not the thing, but the appearance contents them. If they hear no noise, they think men sleep. My humor is no friend to tumult. I could appease a commotion without commotion, and chastise a disorder without being myself disorderly. If I stand in need of anger and inflammation, I borrow it and put it on. My manners are languid, rather faint than sharp. I do not condemn a magistrate who sleeps, provided the people under his charge sleep as well as he. The laws in that case sleep too. For my part, I commend a gliding, staid, and silent life. 
neque submissum et objectum, neque se efferentem, neither subject and abject, nor obtrusive. Cicero de Officiis, 134. My fortune will have it so. I am descended from a family that has lived without luster or tumult, and time-out of mind, particularly ambitious of a character for probity. Our people nowadays are so bred up to bustle and ostentation that good nature, moderation, equability, constancy, and such the like, and, or, and obscure qualities, are no more thought on or regarded. Rough bodies make themselves felt. The smooth are imperceptibly handled. Sickness is felt, health little or not at all, no more than the oils that foment us in comparison of the pains for which we are fomented. Tis acting for one's particular reputation and profit, not for the public good, to refer that to be done in the public squares which one may do in the council chamber, and to noonday what might have been done the night before, and to be jealous to do that himself, which his colleague can do as well as he. So were some surgeons of Greece wont to perform their operations upon scaffolds in the sight of the people, to draw more practice and profit. They think that good rules cannot be understood but by the sound of trumpet. Ambition is not a vice of little people, or of such modest means as ours. One said to Alexander, Your father will leave you a great dominion, easy and pacific. This youth was emulous of his father's victories and of the justice of his government. He would not have enjoyed the empire of the world in ease and peace. Alcibiades and Plato had rather die young, beautiful, rich, noble, and learned, and all of this in full excellence, than to stop short of such condition. This disease is peradventure excusable in so strong and so full a soul. When wretched and dwarfish little souls cajole and deceive themselves, and think to spread their fame for having given right judgment in an affair, or maintain the discipline of the guard of a gate of their city, the more they think to exalt their heads, the more they show their tails. This little well-doing has neither body nor life. It vanishes in the first mouth, and goes no further than from one street to another. Talk of it by all means to your son or your servant, like that old fellow who, having no other auditor of his praises nor approver of his valor, boasted to his chambermaid, crying, O oh, Perit, what a brave, clever man hast thou for thy master! At the worst, talk of it to yourself, like a counsellor of my acquaintance, who, having disgorged a whole cartful of law jargon with great heat and as great folly, coming out of the council chamber to make water, was heard very complacently to mutter betwixt his teeth, Non nobis domine, non nobis, sed nomine tuo da gloriam. Not unto us, O Lord, not to us, but unto thy name be the glory. Psalm 113.1 He who gets it of nobody else, let him pay himself out of his own purse. Fame is not prostituted at so cheap a rate. 
rare and exemplary actions to which it is due would not endure the company of this prodigious crowd of petty daily performances. Marble may exalt your titles as much as you please, for having repaired a rod of wall or cleansed a public sewer, but not men of sense. Renown does not follow all good deeds, if novelty and difficulty be not conjoined. Nay, so much as mere esteem, according to the Stoics, is not due every action that proceeds from virtue. Nor will they allow him bear thanks who out of temperance abstains from an old blear-eyed crone. Those who have known the admirable qualities of Scipio Africanus deny him the glory that Panetius attributes to him of being abstinent from gifts as a glory not so much his as that of his age. We have pleasures suitable to our lot. Let us not usurp those of grandeur. Our own are more natural, and by so much more solid and sure as they are lower. If not for that of conscience, yet at least for ambition's sake, let us reject ambition. Let us disdain that thirst of honor and renown, so low and mendicant that it makes us beg it of all sorts of people. Quiest est laus, quae posset e macello petty. What praise is it which is to be got in the marketplace, meat market? Cicero de Finibus 2.15 By abject means, and at what cheap rate soever, tis dishonor to be so honored. Let us learn to be no more greedy than we are capable of glory. To be puffed up with every action that is innocent or of use is only for those with whom such things are extraordinary and rare. They will value it as it costs them. The more a good effect makes a noise, the more do I abate of its goodness, as I suspect that it was more performed for the noise than upon account of the goodness. Exposed upon the stall, tis half sold. Those actions have much more grace and luster that slip from the hand of him that does them negligently and without noise, and that some honest man thereafter finds out and raises from the shade to produce it to the light upon its own account. Mihi quidem lauda biliora videntur omnia, quae sine venditatione et sine populo teste fiunt. All things truly seem more laudable to me that are performed without ostentation and without the testimony of the people. Cicero, Tusculanae Questiones, 2.26 says the most ostentatious man that ever lived. I had but to conserve and continue, which are silent and insensible effects. Innovation is of great luster, but tis interdicted in this age when we are pressed upon and have nothing to defend ourselves from but novelties. To forbear doing is often as generous as to do, but tis less in the light, and the little good I have in me is of this kind. In fine, occasions in this employment of mine have been confederate with my humor, and I heartily thank them for it. Is there any who desires to be sick 
that he may see his physician at work? And would not the physician deserve to be whipped who should wish the plague amongst us that he might put his art in practice? I have never been of that wicked humor, and common enough, to desire that troubles and disorders in this city should elevate and honor my government. I have ever heartily contributed all I could to their tranquility and ease. He who will not thank me for the order, the sweet and silent calm that has accompanied my administration, cannot, however, deprive me of the share that belongs to me by title of my good fortune. And I am of such a composition that I would as willingly be lucky as wise, and had rather owe my successes purely to the favor of Almighty God than to any operation of my own. I had sufficiently published to the world my unfitness for such public offices, but I have something in me yet worse than incapacity itself, which is that I am not much displeased at it, and that I do not much go about to cure it, considering the course of life that I have proposed to myself. Neither have I satisfied myself in this employment, but I have very near arrived at what I expected from my own performance, and have much surpassed what I promised them with whom I had to do, for I am apt to promise something less than what I am able to do, and that what I hope to make good. I assure myself that I have left no offense or hatred behind me. To leave regret or desire for me amongst them, I at least know very well that I have never much aimed at it. Mene huic confidere monstro, mene salus placidi vultum fluctusque quietos ignorare, should I place confidence in this monster? Should I be ignorant of the dangers of that seeming placid sea, those now quiet waves? Virgil Aeneid 5, 849. End of section 25. Reading by Malone.